Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. And we are back on the air. It's Friday. Zach, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I won't have that intro. (laughs) I'll be back to my old show. And just for an hour, I won't have Dave's nice little intro working for me. Uh, I hope everyone is uh, off to a good start for the weekend. I know it's only 2 o'clock, but dang, everyone's left us here. (laughs) We're we're here by ourselves. It's okay. We'll get into trouble. And no one can say anything to us about it. No, I won't. I'm a good girl. Okay, so I'm sure by now you've all heard about the New York fire, which is so, so sad. I, I, my heart goes out to all of those families. And I, I mean, this poor kid who was 20, or I'm sorry, he was like two years old, three years old. Um, I need to. I'm looking for my story on that. I didn't mean to start out with it, but speaking of getting trouble and being be, me being a good girl, uh, when I was three years old, let me find this story. Uh, sorry, y'all. When I was three years old, I did the same thing, and I was just talking to my mom about it. I was trying to get her to come on the air, but she didn't want to, so she's not like me. <laughs> she doesn't run her mouth. I mean, she does run her mouth. Mom, I know you do, and I know you're listening. She talks, and she never shuts up, but... And I kind of get that from her, but she doesn't want to be on that radio. She doesn't want people to hear her. So, but when I was three years old, we lived in St. Louis in an apartment building and we had a gas stove and my, I, I, I remember this because my butt burned for a long time after it. Uh, I stuck a piece of paper. I, I put a piece of paper. I guess I'd saw my mom doing it. To light the top or to light the bottom of the of the gas oven, I guess I saw her, you know, put a piece of paper and then I don't know I don't know what I was thinking, but so I stuck the piece of paper. You know how underneath the gas stove there's a pilot light under there. I stuck a piece of paper. I was trying. I had the stove open and was sticking the paper in there trying to start it and caught a fire. Next thing I know, my mom was busting my butt with a yardstick. Woo! So nothing burned down but my butt. Uh, but this this poor this poor poor kid because he has to live with that now even though he's only three years old he has to live with that when he grows up knowing that he killed what 12 people including at least four children um the three-year-old's screams alerted his mother that the fire had erupted in their first floor apartment in the Bronx uh, on, on last night. And the boy had been playing with the burners in the kitchen stove. 
When the mother fled the burning apartment, the boy and his two-year-old sibling, she made a fatal mistake. She left the apartment door open. And the tragic result was the death of at least 12 people, including those four children. Uh, It's said to be the deadliest fire in New York City in more than 25 years. The fire department, um, the commissioner, Daniel Negro, said that the stairway acted like a chimney as the fire burst from the apartment, feeding the flames and allowing them to spread throughout the building. The boy in the first floor apartment had a history of playing with the stove burners, the commissioner said. Uh, And he reminded all New Yorkers of his department's frequent messages emphasizing the crucial step residents must take in the event of a fire. Close the door, close the door, close the door. The fire commissioner said he's unsure whether all the smoke detectors are working in the building. So we don't know about that, but. Records from a city housing agency showed one of the apartments on the building's first floor reported defective carbon monoxide and smoke detectors months ago. It's unclear if those issues had been resolved at this point, but there was nothing structural about the fire in the building that, or I'm sorry, about the building that contributed to the fire. The building had a relatively low history of repair violations. Uh, Seven civilians and seven firefighters were injured in this fire. According to the fire department, four injured civilians are in critical condition. I just, I can't imagine being that, first of all, being the mother. I mean, what do you do when your child wants to play in the fire? I mean, you can spank them. Of course, I learned from that. I did. I don't play with fire. I don't like, and you know what the funny, (laughs) the scary thing is now today is that's my fear of dying in a fire. Like, I don't want to die of fire. But here I was trying to set everything on fire when I was a kid, too. It's not funny. It's not funny at all because I could have burned our apartment building down. I just really remember that yardstick. I think she broke it on my butt. Yeah. That's what she would say anyway. I broke it whooping you. (laughs) She whipped me. She didn't whip my brothers. Hardly ever. Or if they're younger. I often say whenever you have a, a, a sibling that's like 10 or 15 years difference, they get a different parent. Completely a different parent. Like, my mom, she was mean to me. <laughs> I don't mean, I mean, I got my butt whipped all the time. And I was a good girl. I really was. And I wasn't mouthy. I don't know when this came about. <laughs> but I wasn't mouthy. And my little brothers, they get away with Murder. I mean, they're they're uh, almost 30 now, but I'm 43. So there's a big difference in the age. I swear they got a different parent than I did. It's like somebody replaced her. I don't know if she was just tired from me. <laughs> but I got a different parent than they did. So I um, was looking at this. This is an interesting day for news. There's a lot of stuff. You know, it's the end of the year. And really, I think everyone is on that downhill slope where they just want to go home and they just want to get the year done and take it over, start over. Because I don't know why it is, but when the year rolls over, everyone thinks that you can just start over. Um, but I wanted to, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard about this, but maybe not, but I think it's hilarious because CNN 
is gone into the second day now of uh, reporting about a truck blocking their view of Trump on the golf course. (laughs) The second day now. In their quest to uncover an explanation for why a truck is blocking its view of President Trump's golf course in West Palm Beach, Florida. So Wednesday, they started this. And uh, I, I don't understand what I don't understand what they're trying to do because I don't remember I don't recall them doing stories about Obama playing golf. And he used to play golf all the time. But in fact, Trump owns these golf courses where he plays, and um, there's no special arrangements that have to be made or anything like that. He just goes and plays. Um, but Noah Gray, a producer for CNN, tweeted a picture of a white box truck in front of hedges adjacent to the golf course Wednesday and tracked down what looked like an identical, if not the same truck, parked Thursday in a parking lot at the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department. When asked about the truck Wednesday, the Sheriff's Department told CNN it did not order the truck to obstruct the media's view of the president. Gray noted that a spokesperson for the department reiterated that denial on Thursday, saying that the management team didn't order a truck. I didn't know that you could order a truck to block your view of the president anyway, but the truck blocked CNN's view of the golf course one day after the network touted exclusive footage of the president hitting the links. The president had been golfing with Senator David Perdue of Georgia, uh, professional golfer Bryson DeChambeau, and former PGA player Dana Quigley at a Trump International Golf Club. CNN also reached out to the Secret Service on Wednesday for comments <laughs> on whether it had anything to do with the truck, the driver of which in the video could be seen blocking a view of his or her face. That's just, that's insane. So here, and here's the, here's the deal. What makes it so funny is that, let me get to this. Let me find this uh, story I was working on, reading to you. What makes it so funny is that Manu Raju of CNN was like hiding in the bushes. Like it was like the TMZ paparazzi, you know, it wasn't like CNN where he's standing out on the White House lawn giving you this correspondent he was hiding in the bushes trying to get President Trump playing golf. I do not remember them doing any of that for Obama, but it must have been a slow news day. Uh, you know, and this is like on the heels of all of the other things that CNN has done recently, like just all the things that their bias reporting has spit out from them. Was there anyone else there? Besides CNN? You know what? I don't know. I didn't see that. I haven't seen anybody else report on, on it. Yeah. Um, but it's their footage. I don't think anybody else was in the bushes with them. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you go and look at the bush, like in social media went crazy. Like they, somebody put a, there's already a video of uh, a guy that looks like Manu hiding in the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> Just CNN in a bush. Nothing creepy here, dude. <laughs> That's what somebody put up. Uh, Trump on the golf course today captured by CNN cameras. And I assume no, because it says exclusive. <laughs> so. Uh, so I don't know. 
they're you know CNN's really getting those hard stories. <laughs> they're getting down to it. I just think it's just ridiculous. All the things that are going on in the world, and you're worried about getting President Trump playing golf at his golf course. At his golf course, where today, which they extended that coverage on, he was actually welcoming the Coast Guard members to his golf course. Okay. So President Trump welcomed members of the U.S. Coast Guard to one of his Florida golf courses today. The president invited Coast Guard members to Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach Beach to play and have lunch. He warmly greeted the roughly 60 members on a pristine green next to a gurgling waterfall and posed for a photo with the group. Trump, who was wearing a red USA hat and white polo shirt, praised the Coast Guard, calling it fantastic and noting their response efforts in Texas and Florida. He stressed that he wanted to say thank you to them. So, did CNN cover that? Because I got this from the AP. (laughs) I think they were too busy trying to get that truck. Not worried about the Coast Guard. They were more worried about who's in that truck and why it's there and why is Trump not being able to be seen from the bushes. Um, The White House said the group was taking part in a four-man scramble type of tournament and that... It's a little Coast Guard challenge, is what Trump said. But some of the service members came from nearby Coast Guard Station from Lake Worth Inlet, which Trump visited over Thanksgiving to hand out lunches. White House spokesman Hogan Gidley said Trump wanted to thank these service members personally for their service to this nation. Why don't you cover that, CNN? Why don't you worry about that? Cover the good stuff, which is what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to have Casey on my show tomorrow. Casey Bell, maybe. Y'all know Casey Bell. I'm going to have Casey on tomorrow. And I asked him what he wanted to talk about, like what really makes him mad going into 2018. He was like, let's talk about nice stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm not really good at talking about nice stuff. I'm an angry person. No, I'm not really. I'm not angry. It's just these people make me angry. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have to be so mad if people wouldn't be so stupid all the time. I'm just saying. Don't give me that look. So, I've got a clip from, or do we have to take a break? Yeah, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll play this clip from Cuomo. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Valamin sitting in for Dave today. Um, not sure if you guys heard about this. Um, what Cuomo who is the governor of uh, New York City. Uh, In a crack at President Trump, I I, I suspect, um, for promising to crack down on illegal immigration, he pardoned 18 immigrants Wednesday in an effort to free them from the threat of deportation or other immigration-related issues. The pardons targeted those who had committed low-level offenses and had demonstrated significant rehabilitation since their convictions. New York is a state of immigrants, Cuomo uh, suggested, and most of these individuals made mistakes decades ago and have been contributing members to our society. The new slate of pardons, Mr. Cuomo nearly tripled the number. He had uh, issued explicitly to stave off deportations, his office said. 
Before Wednesday, the governor had pardoned seven people for that purpose. I've got a clip of that. Will you play that for me, Zach? At least 18 convicted immigrant criminals no longer facing deportation thanks to Andrew Cuomo. Uh, the New York governor passing down 61 total pardons, 39 of which involved teens with minor crimes. And this is the second time that Cuomo has pardoned immigrants, defiantly challenging President Trump's promise to crack down on illegal immigration. And he is not alone. Illegal immigrants also catching a break in California. The Orange County Sheriff's Department will no longer check the immigration status of inmates. Deputies also will not alert ICE agents of undocumented offenders. This in coordination with the so-called Sanctuary State Bill going into effect January 1st. And Governor Jerry Brown signed the bill back in October, prohibiting local police officers from helping enforce immigration laws. So that's just crazy to me, still, this immigration thing. How can you tell police officers not to enforce the law? That's what their job is. Their job is to enforce the laws. The laws. Not to decide which one they want to enforce and which one they don't want to enforce, but to enforce the law. And immigration law is law. That's just really irritating to me that you put immigrants from other countries here that are criminals above American citizens. We got to get to the news. And uh, we'll be right back, y'all. <laughs> I still have 10 seconds left. Ah! <laughs> when am I going to get this right? <laughs> and we're out. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> it's Friday, Zach. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Val Lemon sitting in for Dave yet another day. Um, So we're talking about Cuomo, and he pardoned all these immigrants, 18 of them, in fact. But today, Trump says there will be no protection for dreamers without a wall. President Trump is saying there won't be protection for young immigrants brought into the country illegally unless he gets funding for a border wall and other items. He said on Twitter today that Democrats have been told and fully understand that there can be no DACA without the desperately needed wall at the southern border and an end to the horrible chain migration and ridiculous lottery system of immigration. He also added, we must protect our country at all costs. The battle over immigration has been delayed until next year, but Democrats want protections for the young immigrants who are referred to as the dreamers. While there is significant bipartisan sympathy for those immigrants, GOP demands for Trump's border wall and for immigration agents have proved difficult to resolve. I mean, obviously, you can't even get the police to, to, in some of these states, to arrest illegal immigrants. I mean, I, I, I just can't. I, to me, I don't understand why these states would rather protect illegal immigrants, people that are not American, that come here. Some of them don't want to be here legally because if they did, they would do it the right way. I mean, it is a lengthy process, and I think maybe we could look at that. But a lot of these people come over here, and they don't want to be citizens. They want to work for a little bit and then take their money back and build their house or whatever and send all their money back to whatever country it is that they come from. I know when I was in college, I was doing 
a report and I had tried to get in touch with Western Union to find out how much of our money actually goes over to Mexico. Because there's a fee that Mexico actually gets every time someone picks up a wire transfer of money, they get a fee. That adds up, and that is a part of their budget in their in their government. Our money, and not only that, that money is going out of the country, out of our economy. It's being spent in other countries' economies. Which doesn't help ours. When you think about jobs and people buying. Sorry, guys. Let me turn my phone off. It's going crazy over here. And speaking of, if you guys want to join in on this conversation, give us a call. 501-823-0965. I got it right. I didn't have to ask. (laughs) I'm not good with numbers. Phone numbers, none of it. And I don't think anybody is anymore with the cell phones. I can't remember anyone's phone number. That's why I keep my phone number the same so that my kids can always remember it. It's an 870 number, but everyone's like, 870? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm too, actually, I'm too lazy to go AT&T and get it changed because it takes forever to do anything with AT&T. And you know, speaking of AT&T, they sent me this little letter today. I haven't had a chance to read it, but it's about 30 pages full of just junk. And, you know, nobody ever reads these things. It's a privacy policy. Uh, yeah. So nobody ever reads this stuff. But it tells you what they, and everyone probably got it today because it, it's anybody who has AT&T. Like, it's talking about how we collect and use your data, like TV viewing information, stuff like that. So they watch what you do you think they don't, you're crazy. The government wants that information, then they'll get it. They watch who you talk to. They watch who you're texting. Ah, pointless to even read it because you know they're, you know they do it anyway. Um. So going into the new year for 2018, Obama's been kind of vocal this last end of the year. Kind of aggravating because I just want him to shut up and go away. Part of the reason I didn't go to the White House for the whole eight years he was in the administration was because I have no filter and I was afraid I'd end up in jail. (laughs) All the times and the trips that I went to D.C. over the eight year period. (laughs) I did actually walk by at one time at dark. Because I was. I think I knew that he was out of town or something. I didn't want to see any of them because I would have gone off on them. Especially in the height of Obamacare, which we don't have a mandate anymore. Thank you, President Trump. Anyway, former President Barack Obama posted a series of tweets Friday sharing positive news stories from 2017. He said, remind us what's best about America and encouraging his followers to keep changing the world in 2018. Now, that's a positive, I guess, but just I'm just so I don't want to hear from him. I mean, I guess it's like. When Bush left office, I didn't really want to hear from him. And we didn't. We didn't hear much from Bush after he left. I mean, he started now more recently to start, you know, talking and stuff. But we didn't hear a lot from him for a long time. But Obama says, as we count down to the new year, we get to reflect and prepare for what's ahead. 
For all the bad news that seem to dominate our collective consciousness, there are countless stories from this year that remind us what's best about America. The former president shared several news stories from 2017, including a couple uh, postponing their wedding to volunteer in recovery efforts following Hurricane Harvey. Uh, NFL player Chris Long donating his entire 2017 salary to a various charitable causes and a 10-year-old in Chicago launching a massive campaign to help the homeless. Which, I mean, that's like I said, that's good news. That's good stuff. And we should continue to focus on the things that are good in America. But you know what? The rest of us know how good America is. We don't need to be reminded. I don't. I don't need to be reminded of how good America is. I love this country. I, I mean, <laughs> don't have to remind me, Obama. You have to remind the left of the things that make this country good, not everyone else. But maybe if CNN would report some of the good things that Donald Trump has done over 2017 instead of hiding in bushes trying to catch him golfing. One of the good things I think is today. uh, Here's a story in the AP. Trump administration is rescinding rules for oil and gas drilling. President Donald Trump administrations uh, is rescinding proposed rules for hydraulic fracturing and other oil and gas drilling practices on government lands. Government officials announced yesterday. The rules developed under President Barack Obama or Ovomit, as I like to call him, hashtag Ovomit, <laughs> would have applied mainly in the West, where most federal lands are located. Companies would have had to disclose the chemicals using or used in fracking, which pumps pressurized water underground to break open hydrocarbon deposits. The rules to be rescinded Friday were supposed to be ta- uh, take effect in 2015, but a federal judge in Wyoming blocked them at that last minute. In September the 10th, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Denver declined to rule in that case because the Trump administration intended to rescind the rules anyway. So the long-awaited change drew praise from industry groups, including the Washington, D.C.-based Independent Petroleum Association of America and Denver-based Western Energy Alliance, which sued to block the rules. They claimed the federal rules would have duplicated state rules, putting unnecessary and expensive burdens on petroleum developers. States have an exemplary safety record regulating fracking, and that environmental protection will continue as before. Western Energy Alliance President Kathleen Sagma, I think I got that right, <laughs> said in a release. Okay, that's my New Year's resolution for 2018. I'm going to practice more on pronouncing names. No, I'm not. That's a lie. That's kind of like going on diet. I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to... You know, you shouldn't go on a diet. You should change your lifestyle habits because the diet doesn't last. But when you change your lifestyle habits, like quit smoking or quit eating certain things, you know, that's for good. That's not like a yo-yo diet. Anyway, so that is a good thing that Trump did. (laughs) I got all ADHD on everybody. You know, it's Friday, people, and it's just, this is just how it is today. It's Friday, 
and it's almost the new year is over. I can't believe it's 2018. I just can't believe that 2017 has sailed through so quickly. But yet when you look back at all the things that have happened, it really was a long, it really seemed kind of long. Um, as a follow-up to Trump naming Jerusalem as Israel's capital, it's reported in Reuters today that thousands of Palestinians are taken to the streets of Gaza and the occupied West Bank for the fourth Friday in a row to protest President Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Uh, At least 20 of those protesters have been wounded by fire, mostly along the Gaza border. An Israeli military spokesman said soldiers, soldiers had shot at main instigators who posed a direct threat to the troops and who were trying to damage the border security fence. The spokesperson said about 4,000 Palestinians across the West Bank and Gaza, some throwing rocks and firebombs and setting tires on fire, confronted Israeli soldiers who responded mainly by firing tear gas. Demonstrators chanted death to America, death to Israel, and death to Trump. And militants fired rockets into Israel, drawing strikes from Israeli tanks and aircraft. The military said it's targeted posts that belong to Hamas, the Islamic group that controls the Palestinian enclave, after intercepting two of the three rockets fired into Israel. Uh, Police report that the third struck a building, causing a little damage. No casualties were reported, though, in those incidents. (sighs) Trump's making Palestinians angry in the Middle East. Um, with his Jerusalem declaration back on December 6th, which reversed decades of U.S. policy on one of the most sensitive issues in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which Israel considers Jerusalem its eternal and indivisible capital, but Palestinians want the capital of an independent Palestine state to be the city's eastern sector, which Israel captured in the 1967 Middle East War and annexed in a move never recognized internationally. I'm not going to get into my thoughts on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict today because I just don't have it in me. (laughs) Most countries regard the status of Jerusalem as a matter to be settled in an eventual Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, although that process is now stalled, which we knew that would happen when this announcement was made back in December 6th. A U.N. General Assembly resolution passed on December 21st rejected Trump's Jerusalem declaration. A total of 128 countries voted for the U.N. resolution. Nine opposed it and 35 abstained. 21 countries did not cast a vote. And we all know that, uh, well, maybe you don't know that, but I reported on this, I guess, maybe one day last week that, maybe it was this week. It's all run together now. But, Apparently, Trump's talking about taking away aid to those countries that are not going to recognize it and not go along with the U.S.'s wishes, which, I mean, we should because those countries, most of them want to kill us anyway. Death to America? That's just crazy. Death to America. Well... 
it looks like South Korea, I talked to you yesterday about uh, this transfer of oil to North Korea from China. And it appears that South Korea has seized a ship it claims transferred the oil to North Korea. Uh, South Korea seized a Hong Kong registered ship that allegedly transferred this oil to a North Korean vessel in violation of the UN sanctions. The South Korean foreign ministry said the lighthouse Winmore left the port of Yosu in South Korea carrying refined oil, which was then transferred to a North Korean ship in international waters on October 19th. The U.S. Treasury Department released satellite imagery in November of two ships allegedly performing an illegal ship-to-ship transfer in international waters on that same day. It identified one of the ships as a sanctioned North Korean vessel, the Rai Songgang one, but did not name the other. South Korean officials could not confirm Friday if the ship was the lighthouse Winmore. UN Security Council sanctions prohibit the transfer of anything to a North Korean ship. A South Korean foreign minister or foreign ministry told uh, CNN, adding the lighthouse Winmore was seized when it reentered Yiso. Yisu? I guess that's how you say that. On number 24th. President Trump said Beijing had been caught red-handed yesterday after the satellite images were republished in the South Korean media earlier this week. South Korea said the lighthouse Winmore and its crew were still in South Korea custody under investigation. There were 23 Chinese nationals and two Burmese nationals on board the ship. Officials said adding they would be permitted to leave only when the investigation was concluded. Of course, China denied breaching those UN sanctions on North Korea. Uh, they're going to deny it. They're making them little China. North Korea is their little China. It's their little evildoer. You know, like when you got the Godfather and all his minions do all the work for them. That's what that's what North Korea is to China. Their little minion. He's a pawn. But still. And that dictator, he doesn't care about little fat kid. He don't care about anybody in that country because he's going to run and hide and be safe. But China gives him all the things that like luxury items that he's not supposed to get because of sanctions. He gets them from China. In an interview with the New York Times published Thursday, Trump claimed oil is going into North Korea and he blamed China, saying if Beijing fails to put pressure on Pyongyang, then the U.S. may take punitive economic actions against Beijing. China on trade has ripped off this country more than any other element of world of the world in history has ripped off anything, Trump said. If they don't help us with North Korea, then I do what I've always said I would do. China can help us much more and they have to help us much more. China's hurting us very badly on trade, but I have been soft on China because the only thing more important to me than trade is war. God, could you imagine us going to war with China? I mean, they got like billions of people. We only got millions. (laughs) I mean, their army is crazy and devoted. Well, I don't know. Being that they're communist. 
A senior U.S. State Department official told CNN yesterday that the U.S. is aware that certain vessels have engaged in U.N. prohibited activities, including ship-to-ship transfers of refined petroleum and the transport of coal from North Korea. We have evidence that some of the vessels engaged in these activities are owned by companies in several countries, including China. We condemn these acts and hope that any UNSC members, including China, work more closely together to shut down smuggling activities. Pyongyang has for years used deceptive shipping practices to help bring in revenue for the country's regime. And the U.S. has called for more to be done to crack down on ships transporting goods to and from North Korea. And I guarantee you when they do those crackdowns, if they would do them, if they would just enforce the laws that are already in the books. But, I mean, U.N. is a sanction. It's not really a law of the world or something. But um, if they would just enforce what we already have, I guarantee you they're going to find that China is the one that is giving them all this stuff that they're not supposed to have. And it's 2018, I probably, I, I'm going to say that 2018 is the year that China is going to be one of our biggest enemies. To me, they are. I, I When I go out and buy stuff at the store, I always try to make sure it doesn't say made in China. Always. You should always do that. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Val Lemon sitting in for Dave. And I know, I don't know if y'all have heard about this, but Tuesday, because, well, Dave wasn't here Tuesday to talk about it anyway, but three major cities on Tuesday filed a federal lawsuit against the Pentagon to address a clearly broken system that they contend allowed a former Air Force serviceman to buy a gun and kill 26 people in a Texas church in November. New York, Philadelphia, and San Francisco seek to have the Defense Department fulfill their longstanding legal obligation to report all service members disqualified from purchasing and possessing firearms to the FBI's National Background Check System. Law enforcement officials in all three cities regularly rely upon the integrity of the FBI's background check system, but that didn't happen. So we'll talk more about that when we come back from this break. Be right back. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we are back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. And I'm Val Emmons. Obviously not Dave. I got more hair than Dave. He has none anymore. I know he's got to be having a cold winter, too. He's probably got a hat on. (laughs) So, uh, before the break, we were talking about 
these FBI background check, uh, apparently, the failure by the Department of Defense led to the the failure to report um, that. Okay, so back, 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 back. Sorry, I'm looking for the story again. Um, the Air Force serviceman that bought a gun and killed 26 people in the Texas church in New- November, uh, the Department of Defense did not fulfill their longstanding legal obligation to report all service members disqualified from purchasing and possessing firearms to the FBI's National Background Check System. The case was brought after the shooter opened fire. I'm not going to say his name because I'm just not going to do it. The shooter opened fire November 5th, and I can pronounce it, yes. That's that's not it, Zach. <laughs> I just uh, don't like to say these guys' names because that's why they do it sometimes, just to get fame and glory and go down in history. Anyway, um, he opened fire November 5th at the church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and he killed 26 people. But it was later discovered that the Air Force failed to report Kelly's domestic violence connection to the FBI. He was court-martialed and sentenced to a year in prison in 2014 after beating his wife and cracking his stepson's skull. But the service didn't send the conviction to the FBI Criminal Justice Information Services, which would then upload such information into the National Instant Criminal Background Check system, and it would have barred Kelly from buying a gun. So filed in federal court in Alexandria, Virginia, the lawsuit asked for an injunction and judicial oversight to ensure the Pentagon complies with its legal duty to submit records. The three-city coalition will right this two-decade-long wrong, said the lead attorney, Ken Tabler, or Tabor. I'm sorry. The executive branch and Congress have both had their chances to repair this clearly broken system. Now, after 20 years of failure, it's time for the courts to step in. This failure on the behalf of the Department of Defense has led to the loss of 26 innocent lives, not to mention others, possibly, by putting guns in the hands of criminals and those who wish to cause immeasurable harm. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we have laws on the books that don't get enforced by the government. And then you have the left that wants to add more laws on the books that won't get enforced by the government. It's not the laws. If we just enforce the laws that we have on the book and make sure that these things get reported, who are these people doing their, why are they not doing their jobs to begin with? I mean, that is not something you take lightly. Somebody should be held accountable for not doing their job. That is just unnecessary death 26 people not to mention the two or no it was 26 yeah 26 people and that's the case where the gentleman actually helped take him down with his own weapon the air force says it's moved to put in place steps to ensure that criminal records make it into federal databases okay well you know there was already a law though You shouldn't have to do that. It should be, that should be number one. If you 
want to prevent violent by violent people. I mean, he. How do you like fracture your stepson's skull and beat your wife? I mean, I know people do it, but dang, you shouldn't get a gun. I'm sorry, you shouldn't. That you're a violent, violent felon. Now, I, on the other hand, speaking of felons with guns, I am not against giving back people their rights once they serve their time, but not when it's a violent felony. If their crime was violent, no. But if it was a white-collar crime and they've served their time and they've become a good citizen, you know, they get back into the the, the swing of life, They've, they've did their time. And yet we still have people out here that can't own a gun because of their, their past, which nonviolent, again, I don't see a reason why. I don't want to understand why their, proper, their gun rights are taken away from them if they're nonviolent anyway. I understand that it's a form of punishment, and you know that whenever you go and commit crimes. But if you're a, if you if your crime is a white collar crime, what does that have to do with your gun rights? That don't have anything to do with your gun rights. And you know we have people that come back out into society and go on to make millions of dollars, can't protect their family or their contents of their home with a gun. So their rights are being taken away because they did serve their time. I just, I, I think that that, maybe I'll take that on in 2018. Maybe. But the thing about it is, is that somebody has to come forward as a felon first, because our court system says it has to prevent someone from having their right before they can actually bring it up in court. So what has to happen is a felon has to go and try to buy a gun and get turned down. And then when they try to buy a gun, they get arrested. (laughs) So that has to happen before we can even venture into that space. I've got. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you doing? Happy New Year early. (laughs) Well, thank you. How are you? Great job. Well, thank you. You're doing a great job. Hey, you, you're touching on something that's real sensitive to me. Uh, I used to be a crazy kid, just like everybody else wants a part time. And back in the 70s, 73, possession of hashish was a felony. I don't know if you know what hashish is. That's hash, yeah. a little bit stronger than marijuana. Okay. It was an eighth of a gram, okay? Put aside how big an eighth of a gram is. That's the size of a match head. Wow. Okay. I had possession of that. And they wanted me to tell them where I got it from. And I wasn't going to tell anybody I got it from. So I went to court and got convicted on a felony possession of a controlled substance. And to this day, you can't. (laughs) Never thought nothing of it. You know, and they told me, do my time, I get my it's back. Okay, so I, I did my six years probation, my 30 days in the county jail. Good, upstanding citizen. Here I am, pushing 69. I went to get a control, so I can seal weapons permit, and was told I couldn't because I had felony on my record. 
And I said, well, they gave you back my rights. I said, well, they gave you back your rights, except they did not expunge the, the crime. Well, then so how's, if, that, how's that giving your rights back then? <laughs> well, they can give you back your rights, except your uh, firearms rights. And so when was this? Back in the 70s? 73. <laughs> I mean, now, now, uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're cutting out on us, Bob. <laughs> oh, okay. I said, I, I'm not going to say what would happen if it happened now. They would just throw it away until you don't do it again. Right. Uh, but to get it taken care of, this was in another state. And I have to petition the governor of the other state to expunge my record. So I'm looking at a couple of thousand dollars, you know, for an attorney to handle it up there. He, could, he said he could handle everything, and it's going to cost about $2,300. But he said he could get it back for me. I just think, you know, <laughs> like you say, it's been a long time. A lot of water's gone under this bridge. And, uh, but that's how the system is, is messed up. Uh, if I committed a you know burglary or, or you know went out and shot somebody, I can understand that. But a possession of an eighth of a gram—that's uh, just how it happens. And you haven't ha- been able to pr- defend yourself with a a gun. Well, since. I, I can't. I, I cannot legally ha- carry a concealed gun. What about shotgun? Uh no, no, uh, 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 uh. I can buy black powder. I can buy black powder. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you well, haven't been any. Uh, you haven't been in any other trouble since. Oh no, 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 no. Not like I said. See, I that's crazy. insane to me. That's insane to me. <laughs> Maybe I'll and, take that uh, on, Bob. Maybe you should leave us your number, and we'll get in contact with you, and we'll take on. Yeah. That law. That would be great. Yeah, I, I would love it. I mean, because, like I said, I, I I've started my own business, so I am a real concerned. I, I'm going to be carrying cash at times. And but also I wanted to defend my family and myself right. and grandkids. You know, um, it just you know, the state allows you to carry openly, but I don't think that I'm even allowed to carry openly since I cannot carry concealed. Right. No, you're not allowed to even have a gun. <laughs> I mean, you, if you no. went to buy one, yeah. you wouldn't be able to buy one. At- oh no, no, I found that out. I went to buy I went to buy a rifle, and they said, "Oh no, you can't do that." So what? Ah. So you have bought. Yeah. You have tried. Oh, yeah. 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 What I want you to do is I want you to leave your information with Zach. Okay. And we'll get start. I'll get started on this. Oh, I would love it. I would. Boy, would I love something like that. Take yep. care. Yeah. I'll hang right on here and she can take all my info. Thank you so much, Bob. Give your oh, info you, to, to Zach and we won't give it out. I promise. <laughs> right. Okay. And you're doing a great job there, sweetie. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that because sometimes I wonder. No. <laughs> No, you, you're doing you're doing a good job. He picked a good he picked a good host to take his place. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> Tell him that. No, I'm kidding. I will. I will. I mean, I'm on Facebook with him, so I'll, I'll comment to him. Well, Dave is my mentor. If it wasn't right. if okay. it wasn't for Dave, I probably would. I wouldn't even. I mean, I wouldn't be here right now. He okay. found me uh, ranting like back in 2013, and I was ranting. Well, okay. And he asked me if okay. I wanted to come on the show, and I said yes, and here I am. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm personal friends with one of your other co-hosts during the week, too. Uh, okay. Paul. Paul Calvert, Paul yes. Calvert. Yeah. Well, I don't get I to talk him. to him much yeah. anymore, but. Yeah. yeah, my kids and him, we grew up, they grew up together with Paul, so. Oh, 
Cool. Yeah. Well, we thank you for tuning oh, yeah. in. If you will give me your information to Zach, uh, okay. we will. I, I will you, take a look, look at that. Forward. I appreciate it, there. No problem, hon. Bye bye. To me, that is that is crazy that that man. See, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's an example. That man has started. Bob has started a business, and he is going to be unable to to take care of himself or defend himself because he has a felony that's what 40 in the 740 something years old and it was nonviolent maybe that's just what i take on in 2018 that and the va those are my goals i'm going to look into that um it's interesting that more people don't speak up about it but and you know people and another thing is is that a lot of the felons they don't know it like they don't know like Bobby went to try to buy a gun. He didn't know that. He thought that all of his rights had been restored. Uh, apparently they hadn't. So now he has to go through all the rigmarole to get his constitutional right back to defend himself. It just, it just it bothers me. It bothers me that we're always talking about our rights and then people get railroaded all the time by them. Like I said, these people do their time. And like, I, like I, I have a friend who, when he was younger, he knocked over some tombstones in the graveyard. He was seven. He was, well, he was 18 because he was an adult. Um, <laughs> can't have a gun. Still to this day. It's a felony to desecrate uh, um, tombstones or just to knock them over. Vandalism of a, tomb, of a cemetery. He didn't know that. He was just being a stupid kid. And he has to pay for that for the rest of his life. Now he's like 30-something. Can't own a firearm. Has four kids, can't protect him. And then his wife will not be able to... Well, I mean, you can... See, that's where the law is tricky because people don't really understand it. You can have your gun. Like, they can't take away her right to have a gun. But she has to keep it in a lock that only she has the key to. So, but, but a lot of felons, they don't want to have a gun in their house because they can go back to prison if they are found to be around a gun. Nobody, so they don't want to take the risk on that. I mean, you can't blame them. I wouldn't want to go back to prison just because somebody wanted to have a gun in their house either, but you have to protect yourself. You have to. We have to take a break. I guess we'll take a break. And we'll come back here in a minute. And we're back on the uh, Dave Ellswick show. Um, I was just, we only have a few minutes, but this just in, the State Department releases Huma Abedin emails found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. On a Friday news dump, of course. The State Department on Friday released a batch of work-related emails from the account of top Hillary Clinton aide Huma Abedin that were discovered by the FBI on a laptop belonging to Abedin's estranged husband, Anthony Weiner, near the end of 2016 in that presidential election. Abedin is longtime aide Clinton who worked at the State Department and on Clinton's campaign. I believe she also worked for the Clinton Foundation. At the time, she was married to Weiner, the former Democratic congressman who began a 20-month prison sentence last month after being convicted of sexting a 15-year-old girl. Pervert. 
Aberdeen has since filed for divorce. The emails jolted the 2016 presidential race after then-FBI Director James Comey told Congress just days before the election, FBI agents had found more of Clinton's messages. The agency had previously investigated Clinton's email set up while at the State Department. The emails were found on Wiener's laptop as the FBI investigation uh, into his sexting case against him. The discovery of the records reopened the case against Clinton several months after Comey said he wasn't recommending any charges to be filed in the case, which, again, he didn't have the right to do that. He's not a prosecutor. Uh, And I still hope for 2018 that she gets locked up. That Hillary Clinton beast. The conservative group Judicial Watch filed a suit against the State Department for all official State Department emails sent or received by Aberdeen on a non-state dot com email address. Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch's president, says this is a major victory. Today, he said, after years of hard work in federal court, Judicial Watch has forced the State Department to finally allow Americans to see the public documents. Adding that these government docs were on Anthony Weiner's laptop dramatically illustrating the need for the Justice Department to finally do a serious investigation of Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin's obvious violations of the law. Now, we don't need to go back to reminisce on the email gate. However, having your server in the basement of your house, sending classified emails through that server that it was probably not guarded as well as it should have been, put people's lives in danger who were under Hillary Clinton. Not to mention a pervert got him in his emails that is definitely not protected. So how can how how are, how is this woman still walking around? Ooh, Hillary Clinton just makes me so angry. I know Arkansas, you love her. Y'all love the Clintons. Now, I know you don't. At least not y'all listening on this show right now. Because she is evil. And she's narcissistic. I think Hillary Clinton is the biggest narcissist ever. And Bill's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just goes along with it. He's probably still high from not inhaling. Boy, he's probably... He probably is ready to move back to Arkansas now that we have medical marijuana. Yep. Well, we're going to have to take a break here in a second. That's why I'm trying to stretch this out. Because <laughs> if I talk, I start talking about something else, it's just going to go on and on and on into the break. And you'll run me over again. Like we did poor Jan Morgan yesterday, which we're going to be running that again at five o'clock. If you missed that interview with her yesterday. All right. We'll be right back after this quick break. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Valamin sitting in for Dave today. Uh, if you haven't heard, the State Department today has released a trove of emails from Huma Abedin. And the feds discovered on her husband, Anthony, her, her soon-to-be ex-husband, Anthony Weiner's laptop, including at least five of them, were marked as classified. Most of the emails were heavily redacted because they contained classified information, but 
One that was sent on November 25th, 2010 was addressed to Anthony Campaign, an apparent address belonging to Wiener. The message contained a list of talking points for then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. I can't even say that woman's name. Who was prepping to make a call to Prince or Price Saud of Saudi Arabia to warn him about sensitive documents that had been given to WikiLeaks by then-Army Intelligence Officer Bradley Manning. I deeply regret the liking... The, the What does it say? I'm sorry. I deeply regret the likely upcoming WikiLeaks disclosure, read one of the talking points. This appears to be the result of an illegal act in which a fully cleared intelligence officer stole information and gave it to a website. The person responsible will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Oh, yeah, he was he was prosecuted. We gave him a sex change. <laughs> Way to go, Hillary. And he's out. This is the kind of information we fear may be released. Details of private conversations with your government on Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. If you feared it to be released, why would you have it on a private server in your basement? Why would you be sharing it with Anthony Weiner? Why would you not make sure your assistant did not send out classified emails to her husband? You are an idiot, Hillary Clinton. A dadgum idiot. The state was expected to dump roughly 2,800 emails as a result of a court case won by the conservative watchdog group Judicial Watch. This is a major victory for everyone, I think, in my opinion. Um, These government documents should not have been... (laughs) On Anthony Weiner's laptop. Dang. Mm-mm-mm. And he was a... He's a, he's just... He's nasty anyway, but... Now he's a felon, and he has all this classified information. Which could have been used, you know, against... Him in some way. To get him to talk. I mean... I, I don't understand the thought process behind in Hillary Clinton's mind. Apparently there isn't one when she was thinking about, and she knew better. She put herself, this is a narcissist. She put herself above the country because she did not want to fool around with having another device to use instead of the one that she was already familiar with or the server system so you know what for my own ease i'm just going to put this in my basement forget about the people that could be in danger because of me i mean just think about if if those emails got out to people say say someone was over in the state department working in maybe benghazi (laughs) and there was information released and then hacked into about someone's whereabouts and who they are and what they were portraying and what their mission was. And she put them in danger simply by not adhering to Justice Department procedure of having a .gov email server. I, I don't want to go back over this again because 
we've done this so many times in the past, but this is this is huge and this is good for us moving forward in 2018 because hopefully the investigation will take off and Hillary will pay for the things that she has done that she hasn't paid for yet. The woman clearly doesn't understand she is not above the law. And I just wish that we could take her down as soon as possible. (laughs) Now, put her in jail. And, you know, and then back to that part about we will, Bradley Manning, we will punish him. (laughs) Yeah, we gave him a sex change, which is what he wanted to begin with. Which is what really irritates me about people in the military that are, that want, or not people in the military, but people that want transgender people to serve in the military. Because, and to, I, to me, I think that that should not happen until you set the laws on what their health care involves. You know what I mean? Because that is, I mean, those medications are not cheap to make fake boobs. Or can I say that on the radio? Breasts. <laughs> Zach's like, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, and then all the hormones you have to have to turn into a woman or vice versa. Those aren't cheap and the military shouldn't be paying for that. Taxpayers should not be paying for that. We shouldn't have paid for Bradley Manning to have it. He was a traitor. Unbelievable. Anywho, let's talk about FEMA. So I was reading this article yesterday, and uh, FEMA sells these disaster trailers very cheap. But it looks like the federal government is spending one hundred and like up to like one hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece on them, and it's not. In- including the utilities and maintenance or the labor, like to set them up or any of the other stuff that has to go along with that. But then it auctions them off at cut rate pricing after like 18 months of use or the first sign of minor damage. Now to me, this sounds like a good old boy scheme. So whoever's making those, who's manufacturing those trailers is making a fortune of $150,000 for a FEMA trailer? Do you know how much a trailer costs? Do y'all know how much a trailer costs? I used to be in the mortgage business. I mean, you can get a trailer for $30,000. A new one. And especially one that's a lot nicer than these FEMA trailers. But yet we're paying $150,000 a piece of taxpayer money on them? Officials have continued the practice even amid a temporary housing shortage in Texas where almost 8,000 applicants are still awaiting federal support nearly four months after Hurricane Harvey landed in the Gulf Coast. FEMA briefly halted these sales of these trailers. So they're probably getting, they're probably not even getting like $1,500 for them because when they go to auction, they're probably run down too. Online records showed in November that they were still selling, but At least 115 units manufactured this year have been sold for pennies on the dollar, like I just said. And many of the online auctions have listed such things as dirty mattresses, missing furniture, what I just say, missing furniture, pet odors, or loose trim as the loan damage. 
I don't care what shape it's in. It beats sleeping on a dirt floor, said Christy Combs, who moved with her husband, four children, and five dogs into a tent after the rented apartment in uh, Arensas Pass, Texas, was left uninhabitable by floodwater. FEMA has no written policy or regulation requiring disposal of these used trailers, but an official confirmed to AP that it's a longstanding internal policy and that seldom are the housing units given to another family in need after the 18-month stint. Because of the challenges associated with damaged units and the cost of a life cycle maintenance, and because we are required to maintain a ready reserve for disasters, FEMA by practice doesn't return used units to our reserve inventory. That's just ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is just crazy that you would even think that those trailers are not, that's not a good old buddy scheme going on. Because $150,000 for a trailer? (laughs) I've got a caller. Jim, you're in Malvern. You're on. Hey, Belle. Hey. Welcome, welcome to the world of Dave. I tell you, you're just going to have to spend a lot more time with Dave. You should just sound so much better than him. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't tell him that. I, yeah, he probably heard me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about those FEMA trailers and all of that. This is like a pet peeve for me. I was living in Memphis during the Katrina you know, tragedy. And, and what have you going on down there. Yeah. And I got to watch this parade of 18-wheelers headed south with all kinds of stuff. And and it was just a barrage of, of a parade from the Indiana area, of Gary, Indiana, that area, all across there. Dave knows about all of these trailer manufacturers up through there. And it was just a parade of those FEMA trailers headed down to South Louisiana. Well, almost 4,000 of them ended up in a little community called Purvis, Mississippi. And they, this was privately owned land that he allowed the uh, federal government to put all these trailers on. And they brought in federalized Corps of Engineers or whoever security people to uh, guard this property and all these trailers set out there on this property for almost two years and they filled up with fire ants. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and ruined them. They just just ruined every one of them. They, they just were completely unusable. And uh, I just, just lamb blasted the senator and the representative for that area. I just called like crazy. You wouldn't believe I kept calling them. They got to the point where they wouldn't answer the phone. I had to, I had to hide my phone number from them to, to, to call them. And then, then they started cleaning them out. But I don't know if they ever got them all out of that area. But, it, it, I mean, it was just acres and acres and acres of those trailers uh, stacked up on this property. And then before all of that happened, there was a place in Memphis that was called Cold Storage right there just south of the fairgrounds on Airways Boulevard that was storing the ice that they didn't have any place for in down in Louisiana, South Louisiana. And they eventually ended up taking pallets on top of pallets on top of pallets of ice bags and just setting them out in the sun to melt. Wow. 
just wasted. Waste? Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of ice. I mean, and here's the thing. We have all these homeless people in this country right now. And Mm -hmm. we have trailers sitting empty. Brand new trailers sitting empty. Yes, they were. They were. They were. They weren't worth anything after they filled up with fire ants. I, I remember seeing them after I moved over here to Arkansas. I remember seeing a few of them go up the 55 corridor back toward Indiana. And, you know, some of the guys would say that that's where they picked them up from out of Purvis, Mississippi. But, uh, but after two and a half years sitting in a fire ant infested field, you know, what's the point? Yeah, I don't want to sleep in one of those. Wow. <laughs> Well, thanks for calling in, Jim. I appreciate that information. Awesome job, Belle. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aw, everyone's being so nice to me. Except for the people that don't like me aren't calling in. <laughs> no, okay. So, and so, back to these FEMA trailer things. Uh, this is... A Harvey survivor in Houston is living in a 2017 model trailer that her church pulled money to buy from a retired North Texas fire chief, uh, Shan English. English purchased it for, get this, $10,000 in June from the online auction site and advertised it on Craigslist for $18,000. If that don't make you mad, $150,000 they purchased this for. And it's a 2017. Sold it for $10,000. It was brand new. The unit hadn't even been lived in. The five trailers that English purchased from the auction models, ranging from 2012 to 2017, were all in mint condition. The floors are rock solid. It's well insulated, very well built, and they came fully furnished, too. Or they sold it for $10,000. Bought it for one fifty. That's your government right there. That's your government. Uh, That's just insane. And if you don't speak up about these, if you see these, start letting people know, like like Jim just did. I mean, this is crazy. We have so many homeless people right now that are going to, I mean, what did Michelle Scroggins say yesterday? We have like 2,300 homeless people in just central Arkansas. Could you imagine the people that could use these trailers I mean to keep warm at least in the winter time I mean I'm not for giving people stuff but dang if you're just going to let it sit around and rot and get ate up by bugs what is the use I mean it is taxpayer money and it's my money I'm a taxpayer so if they're just sitting around let's put them to use Let's not waste them. Well, looks like we got a caller. No, no caller. All right, so I was going to move on since I've ranted about that enough. But you know what, folks? It's cold outside. It just makes me mad. Right now it's freezing. And these all these trailers sitting around empty. And a lot of people don't even have a place to stay. And, and it is a scam because these people are making $150,000 off a trailer, selling it, and then you get rid of it real quick so you can buy more from them with taxpayer dollars for your buddy. wonder whose state that is. <laughs> I have to look into that more.
Well, we'll take a quick break, folks, and we will come back right after this. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. And I'm going to move on. I don't know if y'all have heard about this part. This is funny, though. Hollywood is being slammed for picking a Bill Clinton defender. I don't know if y'all remember Anita Hill to fight sexual harassment. So Anita Hill is set to lead a commission on sexual harassment in Hollywood. Not somebody I would choose, I suppose, but she hasn't really been a champion of women preyed upon by powerful men. Seven years after she accused Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment at his 1991 Supreme Court confirmation hearings, Mrs. Hill rushed to the defense of President Clinton as he struggled to avoid impeachment amid accusations of sexual misconduct made by multiple women. In 1998, she did an interview with NBC's Meet the Press, and she moved to discredit claims by former Arkansas State employee Paula Jones, who accused the former Arkansas governor of exposing himself to her, and Clinton campaign fundraiser Kathleen Wiley, who accused him of groping her in the Oval Office. Specifically, Wiley said he embraced her, kissed her on the mouth, grabbed her breast, and put his hand in her genitals. But Miss Hill countered that. It wasn't sexual harassment because she never claimed the behavior was severe or ongoing. (laughs) We'll be right back and we'll talk more about this. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefits you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Val Emmons, sitting in for Dave. And if you are not familiar with the Gillette Coon Supper, you're about to be. On the line, I have Larry Bauer. Larry? Hey, Valerie. I want to know more about the coon supper the gillette coon supper that i'm going to attend and i'm going to eat some coon all right um tell us a little bit about this i know it's the 75th annual 70 yeah 75th year um it started uh we started out a bunch of farmers didn't have anything else to do after the harvest and uh we're having a little party or whatever, decided to go on the coon hunt and then have a little dinner. Had a, a local guy barbecue some raccoon for them, and uh, that's how it got started and just grew from there. Um, a Dr. Whitehead that was a, a doctor there in DeWitt uh, loved to go on the coon hunts. They actually went out and and uh, did that also. I did that as a grade schooler in a junior high. We actually had a coon hunt where we went out and built a big bonfire and hot dogs and uh, marshmallows and drank coffee with a lot of sugar in it and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> That's my kind of coffee. Had gr- I had a great time. 
we actually would get a coon every once in a while. Every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what yeah. most hunting is anyway, isn't it? Just messing that's around. That's right. That's right. But so this uh, event is nation known nationwide, and politicians from all over Arkansas and the United States come, uh, and other along with other people, right? To take part in this. Yeah, we we do. There's a there's a family that from CrossFit, the Jenkins family. They've I checked when they bought their tickets this year. I asked them how long they've been coming, and they said about thirty years. And when oh. they sent their check in, they said it was over forty years. So, oh. uh, wow. And and we have people that come to the Coon Supper with the purpose of eating uh, raccoon. And as soon as they've done that, they get up and leave. They're not <laughs> interested in the program or anything. They come there to. <laughs> Uh, they love raccoon. But now you do have other stuff. I know last year you we had do. like we baby baby back ribs and brisket and uh, brisket and ribs and uh, barbecued rice, sweet potatoes. The uh, old uh, the old uh, uh, meal was uh, sweet potatoes and baked raccoon. But we don't bake it; we barbecue it. So is it ba- is it barbecued got, or smoked? It's smoked, barbecued. Um, they work with it a couple of days. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> Make it taste good. Uh, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Lots oh. of barbecue. Lots, lots of smoke. Um, the uh, we've got uh, we've already got about seven hundred and fifty pounds of uh, raccoon ready to go. Wow! And um, got that in about a week. There's still a lot of uh, hunters that go out and love to love the coon hunt. We've got a guy coming from uh, an Audible podcast. I'm not sure. He's coming. He does uh, food chains. Uh, he's interested in what Mark Twain loved to eat, and one of his favorite meals was raccoon. And he's coming, and he's actually going to we, – we got him a guy that's going to actually take him on a coon hunt. Oh, wow. And uh, he's going to watch him prepare the raccoon and do the whole thing. So so what time uh, – and, and can are there still tickets available? Because I know this is usually a sold out. There's still tickets available. Okay. Yes, there's still tickets. Uh, it's the 13th of January. We open the doors at six o'clock. That's the best time to be there because we we have to get all the food on the table to let everybody in. So that's when it's the warmest, and um, uh, ticket sales are going pretty well with it being the seventy fifth year and a and a political year. Yeah, and it where can folks as, where can folks go to get oh, those tickets? Okay, they can call me at eight seven zero eight three zero four zero zero two. And then uh, the, the tickets are $25. They can mail me a check, and the check made out to Gillette Farmers and Businessmen's Club. They can put Gillette F&B Club. Uh, P.O. Box 577 Gillette, and then the zip code is 72055. I'm sure if you put Coon Supper on there, then know where to get it to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, there's only, what, 700 people in the whole town? Right, uh, that's rounding it up a little bit, but uh, that's a, that's about how many will attend the coon supper. We sell about, uh, we'll seat about six hundred people, and then the uh, uh, the waiters, everybody, all the men in town, are take care of the waiting and uh, preparing of the uh, carrying the barbecued raccoon and the ribs and the, everything. Get it on the table in time. There's also a pre-coon party, isn't there? The Marion Barry there he is reception. That's a re, that's a reception and that's a separate ticket mm-hmm. and they've started that it's uh it's Marion Barry and Carolyn uh, Barry uh, he and his wife have started a scholarship fund at Arkansas State and uh, Gabe Holstrom uh, is the guy who talked talked to about that and that's an invitation type 
uh, thing and a uh, fundraiser for that scholarship. Yeah, I get and to go to that it. because I'm with Leadership Arkansas, and Gabe also Good was deal. in my class. So I that's how Good. I found out about this. I should okay, have known about right. it, but I didn't. Right. Um, well, and Coon Supper supported, years ago, supported the high school uh, sports teams, basketball, the, the girls' state, boys' state, all that sort of thing. And since we've lost our high school, we've turned it into a scholarship. And uh, we we award last year we awarded four uh, four scholarships for four thousand each. Wow! And uh, so it's 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 awfully nice to be able to do that for the kids and get them a college education. Yeah. Help get them that. That's wonderful. Now yeah. I know that this now this is considered a political dinner, but there's no political speech allowed, right? <laughs> That's correct. We let the uh, at the federal level, the congressmen, the senators, and the and and uh, then the governor, uh, and they can speak. And it's more of a glad to be here and you know, all that sort of thing. But no it's stump not speeches. A political event. But there'll be a lot of poli- politicians there. Mike Beebe claims that's how he got his start at the Coon Supper with Marion Barry, and and um, so they started, but. The crowd was there first, you know. Right. <laughs> it started. There was a thousand, twelve hundred people there, and then, then it turned into the, the politicians starting to come to meet and greet and shake hands and. Well, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you go to this if you're wanting a political future? I mean, that's that's right across the state, <laughs> especially. Right, Miss Arkansas will be there this year, and then uh, uh, Rick Crawford, congressman, will be there, uh, and the plan is he's going to perform with a a band that he plays with called a triple nickel a triple nickel so we don't know what that is exactly but that's going to be our <laughs> entertainment part of it so so you have so there's live entertainment as well right we go from the prison band to the triple nickel the prison band what is it just the prison band or do they have a name oh well the prison band we've had them several years uh they they come and uh and uh, they love to come and perform and and we uh, they usually do a good job. Which prison are they from? Uh, Cummins. Cummins, okay. Well, that's interesting. Yep. I didn't know that either. Uh, we had them scheduled one year, and a guy got out and messed up the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> you know. He got out and messed it up? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good for him. <laughs> Maybe he'll come exactly. to the Coon Supper now. Exactly, exactly. Well, we yep. appreciate you calling in, Larry, and I will see you on, what, two Saturdays from now. Right, the 13th? Yep, I'll be there. I'm going to be at the Marion Berry reception first, and then I'm going to go over okay. and eat me some coon. I may have to okay. just eat brisket. I will take a bite of the coon just yeah, for a picture, a <laughs> just, right. for a, just for a photo off. <laughs> and you you can tell us what it tastes like. Everybody asks ask us what raccoon tastes like, and I just tell them it tastes like raccoon. Tastes like raccoon. It, yeah. That's well, right. It probably tastes a lot better than what some folks make if it's smoked for two days. That's right. <laughs> well, I thank you, and I know you're out shopping with your wife, so tell her, apologize for her for me taking your time. <laughs> well, she's in she's in Hobby Lobby, so oh. I'm okay right now. Oh, so you're sitting on a bench somewhere, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in the parking lot. So. <laughs> well, you guys have a great new year, and I'll see you on the 13th. Okay, looking forward to it. Thank Thanks you, Larry. No right. problem. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 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 So if you didn't hear, there's tickets available still for that. And it's going to be the place to be on the 13th if you love politics, Arkansas politics. I mean, there's uh, a lot of the news organizations will send in their guys to just to report and see what this is. This is an Arkansas tradition in politics, basically. Well, in Gillette. Um, 
So it's January 13th. And I don't know. I don't. Oh, I'd hate to. I just can't. I know people like eat it, obviously. See, I'm one of those weird people. Like I can't eat. Let rephrase that. I don't eat. I can eat anything. I love food. However, I've never been a wild gamey person. Like I don't eat deer. I know. I know. People think I'm strange. I ate squirrel for the first time. A couple months ago, and it was okay. It wasn't bad. But now every time I see a squirrel in my yard, I want to shoot it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think I'd get in trouble if I got out my gun trying to shoot a squirrel. Not to mention it would put like pellets all in the squirrel, the gun I got. But um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know about raccoon. We'll see. I'm going to try it. And I will definitely take a picture for the photo op. You got to try everything at least once. At least. Food-wise. And, I, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't eat a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't eat fish. I hated shrimp. I hated mushrooms. I hated olives. I hated all the good stuff that people would say, try this, try that. No, I wouldn't touch it until I was in my 30s. You believe that? I love shrimp now. I will eat it up. And sushi and all that fish, fried catfish. I hated it when I was a kid. It was so gross. Now I love it. Absolutely my favorite thing to eat is shrimp. Scrimp. Shrimp scampi. Or some barbecue uh, Cajun shrimp. Mm. Good stuff. Before uh, we talked with Jim, we were talking about Anita Hill. And I want to go back to that a little bit because... (laughs) To me, you're asking Anita Hill, who defended President Clinton when he was accused by Miss Wiley, Miss Kathleen Wiley, who was uh, a Clinton campaign fundraiser, of kissing her on the mouth, grabbing her breast. And putting his hand on her genitals. Anita's counter to that was that it wasn't sexual harassment. Because she never claimed the behavior was severe and ongoing. Or that she suffered any disadvantage because of this incident. So I think in fact. We aren't talking about sexual harassment. At least based on the facts that we have in front of us. Even if we assume that we. What she said in her interview and depositions are true, Miss Hill told host Tim Russett and Gwenthill on the Meet the Press back in 1998 and her move to discredit claims by Paula Jones and Kathleen Wiley. So this is the woman that Hollywood has appointed to lead this commission on anti, anti-sexual harassment. Uh, there obviously is something wrong when a woman stands up and says that touching their breasts is not sexual harassment because it wasn't severe enough to... <laughs> severe enough... Or ongoing enough 
and that you didn't suffer any disadvantage because of the incident? That's what she said. That wouldn't even stand up today. In this this day and age of sexual harassment and all these allegations, I mean, now they're talking about you smack smack somebody in the butt. Like uh, Corey Lewandowski uh, and uh, Joy Villa claiming that, you know, Corey Lewandowski smacked her on the butt. That's she's she's refusing to say she sides with Trump's accusers after sexual assault or sexual assault complaint against Corey Lewandowski. Uh, to me, smacking somebody on the butt is sexual harassment, but so isn't grabbing somebody's breast. And it doesn't matter how long it was going on. It could just happen once, Miss Anita Hill. I hate these people that defend. But yet then she goes and claims that Clarence Thomas sexually harassed her because he was a Republican. (sighs) Man, oh man. The things that Hollywood does. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. We'll talk more. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Val Emmons. And um, I have had to uh, start my page for the Val Emmons Show up again. I just want to let you all know you can go out to that page, the Val Emmons Show, and like it. Because I have reached the maximum number of people on my personal page. And I intend on shutting that down to just the friends that are there now. Just because. I want everyone to be able to participate in the conversation. And I can't get people to go over to there. (laughs) Now you have to. I had like 20 people request, 20 just from yesterday, friend requests. And I can't add you because I don't have room. So go on over to the Val Lemons show page and I'll be revamping that up. But just go ahead and like it for now. And I'm going to, I've started to post things already over there too. Just don't want it to clog up my personal space. I understand why people do that now, but. Um, it just makes more sense to use that page because I can still correspond with you exactly the way I can on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. So I'll be doing that. I just want to let everyone know. And tomorrow on my show, speaking of, I'm giving myself a, a little plug. I will have Erica Dunn, who is the NRA field representative for Arkansas on, um, She is with the NRA Foundation, and she oversees the Friends of NRA program in Arkansas. Basically, um, they do all of the youth shooting sports teams, youth hunter education, gun safety in schools, National School Shield, and much, much more. So we're going to talk to her tomorrow about the Friends of the NRA, Arkansas. So if you want to know something, you can call in during that show because it is live. And then I'll have Casey Bell with me and we'll we'll find a way to talk about some good stuff, Casey, if you're listening. Some nice things going into 2018 since we have all this mean stuff that I always like to talk about. <laughs> you're damn right. I'd shoot them, too. Don't don't laugh. Zach, you would, too. Dave's right. 
You know Dave's always right. <laughs> and so wasn't Ben Franklin with his famous liberty safety quote. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. And I say that because Disney has now gotten rid of their do not disturb signs at its hotels. And they're, they're saying it's because of the Las Vegas shooting. And they are now going to require every day that your room has to be entered. Walt Disney World Resorts are placing do not disturb door signs with signs that say room occupied. Resort employees are now required to enter each room at least once a day. There's speculation that the changes were put into effect to prevent events like the October shooting at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas because he had all that stuff stockpiled in that room and a do not disturb sign on it. (laughs) Really, that's not going to solve this problem. So if you stay at Walt Disney World Resort in the coming months, you will have less control over when cleaning and maintenance staff enter your room. You won't have a choice unless you take it up with the the, uh, management. Like when I go somewhere, I don't want people in my room. It's a privacy issue. And to me, this is a Fourth Amendment thing, too. I mean, you don't have to stay there. Obviously, you don't have to stay at Disney. So, but if you do stay there and you don't know this and you've already made your reservations, I think they should have to give your money back if you don't like it. I don't want people in my room. I mean, that's why the do not disturb sign worked. And I'm not hiding anything. I just don't like people in my room. Some other resorts are beginning to replace do not disturb signs on guest rooms with signs that say room occupied. While Disney World News Today reports, the change means that resort employees can enter your room while you're in it, but will attempt to alert you before doing so. Employees are now required to enter every room at least once a day. These changes have gone into effect at the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, Polynesian Village Resort, the Contemporary Resort near the Magic Kingdom, and other Walt Disney World resorts to follow soon, according to Walt Disney World News Today. Disney didn't immediately respond to the request for comments, but it's speculation that the changes were put into effect to prevent events like the October shooting that killed 58 people at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Many Walt Disney World resorts have rooms that give guests views of crowded areas below. The Mandalay Bay and its parent company, MGM Resorts International, are facing a number of lawsuits that claim the resort didn't implement preventative measures that could have stopped the shooting. How is someone coming into your room? Are you going to go through my stuff? I mean, because you can hide that stuff under the beds or in the drawers or what? How are you? How is someone coming into my room? That means they're going to be nosy. How is that going to prevent an incident like what happened in Vegas? The only way to prevent something like that from happening in Vegas or anywhere else is to get a hold of this mental defect that is making people want to kill people. I mean, look at Japan. They hardly have any any crime. Like, you can leave your bicycle out on the street unchained and nobody will steal it. You can walk down the escalators in Japan and 
people are actually out of the way <laughs> so that you can keep walking down. You know how you go to the airport and you have to like, excuse me, excuse me, get out of my way. Kind of like idiots that drive in the fast lane, uh, 60 miles an hour. But how in the world do you think that having access to my hotel room once a day when I don't want you there is going to stop this? It's not. It's not going to stop it at all. And and to me, it, it's stupid because why even have another sign that says room occupied? That's the sign they're replacing it with is room occupied. No more. But that doesn't mean don't disturb. It means they can knock on your door. And if you don't, I mean, what if you're in the shower and you don't answer the door and they walk on in while you're in the shower? Or what if you're, what if you're getting dressed and you're deaf <laughs> And you don't hear them knock. I mean, I guess you could put that little thing across the door if you're in the room. You know, the the little latch that you have at the top of the door of the lock for nights. I guess you can put that up if you're in the shower. But you know they're going to come back. They're going to come back when you're not there. I just don't like. I mean, and housekeepers, I'm not saying nothing about you. But, you know, some of them are just minimum wage employees. And they do steal. I worked at a hotel during college. And I'm not saying any of those stole anything, but things do come up missing and they do take stuff, especially if you don't tip them. (laughs) You're supposed to tip your housekeeper. Did you know that? Yeah, you're supposed to leave them a tip for cleaning up your mess for doing their job. Yeah, I always leave them a tip, even though I'm clean and I don't ask for any services other than I usually just go out into the hall and ask them for a towel. Because that's usually, and give them my dirty ones. That's the, I don't want them in my, I make my own bed. Makes me, that's part of getting up in the morning. To me, that's the first thing I do when I get up is make my bed. That's how you start your day. That's, that's how it gets you motivated. Just start doing stuff. And making your bed is part of that. Uh, and now my kid, I'm so proud of them. They make their beds too. It's so cute. <laughs> I didn't do that when I was growing up. Like when I was older. And it just, it's a, I just, I never did it. And all of a sudden I just started doing it, I guess about 15 years ago. It just made me feel better to get up in the morning and just, well, because, you know, I tried, and like I tried to tell my kids, whenever you're at home, your surroundings are clean and beautiful. Yes, I'm OCD folks. When they're clean and they're beautiful, you feel good. If they're dirty and yucky, I feel terrible. (laughs) I just feel like I'm just, it's just a bad day. Um, but get up and make your bed. Start out 2018. If you just try it, get up and start making your bed and do it for 21 days and it'll be a habit. That's how you, that's how you start out to change the world and make things happen. You start out by making your bed. I read an article that said that. I don't know. (laughs) It was on the internet. It must be true. Speaking of internet, this disaster date ends with a $1.5 million in art being ruined in Texas. I mean, first dates can be awkward, but dang. This first date, uh, a Texas attorney expected, the first thing he expected when he went out with a freelance court reporter was that the evening would end up with red wine 
splashed across valuable paintings in his home, including a work by pop artist Andy Warhol. <laughs> Anthony Busby's date with Linda Lou Lehman was by any measure a disaster. The 29-year-old woman had become heavily intoxicated while at Busby's home in the city of Houston, according to a prosecutor's account in court. <laughs> Busby called for an Uber driver, <laughs> but Layman went back into Busby's home and shouted, I'm not leaving! The prosecutor told a judge over the weekend while Layman appeared in an orange jail uniform, just stand listening. After walking back into Busby's mansion, Layman poured wine on three paintings before tearing them down and threw two abstract sculptures across the room, shattering them. At least one of the paintings was by Warhol, and the total cost of the damage was more than $1.5 million, Houston TV station KHOU reported. Layman was arrested a little after midnight on Saturday and charged with felony count of criminal mis- mischief. The original charging document stated she was arrested for damaging artworks of $300,000 in value or greater. She posted bail on Christmas Day and was expected back in court Thursday. <laughs> wow. I'm not leaving. <laughs> he called her an Uber. He wasn't even going to take her home. He just called her an Uber. <laughs> Careful there on how uh, on New Year's Eve, folks. Don't get too drunk and ruin your stuff. <laughs> go, don't go no uh, first dates. I mean, that's going to be awkward when she sees him in the courthouse every time if she's a court reporter. Awkward. Not to mention, geez, I mean, $1.5 million. I bet that poor guy never goes, never brings anybody to his house again on a date. Or never has liquor on a date again. I wonder how he got her so sauced. Hmm. That is just crazy. The pe- people, I mean, that's a little bit much. They must have been drinking a whole lot. Either that or she had a lot to drink before she got there. That could possibly be. Well, I don't know how y'all are feeling about Apple right now. If you use Apple and their apology for slowdowns, but they're lopping $50 off the battery replacement costs, which I don't get that. Do you understand that, Zach? Like, how does the va- the battery have anything to do with their slowing down? Like, I don't understand what the battery is going to, like, a new battery. I know that they're saying if you put a new battery in it, then it changes it. But well, I guess we'll have to get an expert on to talk about that. But there's an update that they said they'll issue a new iOS update sometime in early 2018 with new features that give users more visibility into the health of their phone's battery so they can see for themselves if it's a condition affecting the performance. Because Apple said that the phone batteries are meant to keep up to 80% of their capacity for 500 complete charges. But if a user was able to deplete and charge the phone every day, that would equal less than 18 months. I just, I still don't understand what the battery has to do with it. It's the software that slows it down, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, go get you a battery while you can if you got an iPhone 6 or newer for $29. They're usually 
They'll be uh, available in late January through December 2018. So if you need a new battery, you might as well get, you'll get one. And this is in response to the criticism that followed its confirmation last week of independent tests that showed processors in several models of iPhone 6 and 7 were slowed down if their owners had updated their devices, operating systems, or iOS. Apple said it took the step to ease demands on older batteries to prevent the phones from shutting down suddenly. My phone shuts down every now and then anyway. So I got a 7 Plus and it shuts down. It'll just like boom all of a sudden. And I'm like, what? I didn't do that. And, it, and see, that's creepy because now you know that they have sort of control over your phone. It's like whenever they have those, uh, what is that? Uh, in Cadillac. North Star? No. <laughs> what is that? You know, the, in your car? You know what I'm talking about? I guess I could look in the Google box. Anyway. Where they have, where you can just call them and on your from your car, but they can shut. They can actually shut your car down if like somebody steals it or something. OnStar. OnStar. That's it. OnStar. My words. I never can get them right. I would have thought about that at like three o'clock in the morning. Be like OnStar. <laughs> but no, that's like OnStar. Like I was always afraid that they could shut your car down while you're driving it or something, you know, and that would cause an accident. But but being that I'm Always on my phone, I can see that how my battery would. I use my phone a lot more. I'd rather use the phone than sitting at the computer. I don't know about other people, but I, though, I think I'm getting carpal tunnel from it. <laughs> from your phone. You, no, because look, look, when you, you put your phone up like this and you have your wrist, you know, you, you're constantly on, on it with your wrist and it's so big and it's heavy. I, I probably am getting carpal tunnel. Just, just saying, I'm gonna have to get a, a a wrist wrap just to use my phone. I need to get off of my phone. I, I, maybe I should do that as a resolution for 2018. A life change. Get off your phone. Have you ever noticed when you go out to the restaurant and they'll have like a it'll be like a family of four and they're just sitting there and they're all on their phones, like nobody's talking to each other. Isn't that why you go out to dinner? So that you can like have conversations with one another or there'll be a table full of friends and they're all, they're all going to be on their phones. But when they do look up to talk to one another, they're like, oh, look what Sydney just posted. (laughs) Why don't you talk to each other? It's like that commercial that where they were texting each other dinners ready. (laughs) That's so stupid. That's so dumb. Get your butt up and walk up the stairs. Go tell them, get down for dinner. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show because at 5 o'clock we've got my Jan Morgan interview from yesterday. And we're back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just a few more minutes left uh, in the hour. If you haven't heard, the 2017 NFL season is going to end a few hours early this year. As the league has decided to cancel its Sunday night game, uh, they decided that on Christmas Eve, and the first time that it's done so since 2006. So instead of ending with a traditional night game that usually features two playoff contenders, the season was going to wrap up with a 
heavier than usual afternoon slate of gridiron battles. The reason, oh, it's New Year's Eve. No, it's ratings. We all know it's ratings. And then New Year's Eve has been on the calendar forever. (laughs) It's New Year's Eve. And the way that playoff races have shaken out this year, there's no matchup that has the high stakes the last game of the season usually offers. And with New Year's Eve celebrations going on across the country, odds are few people would watch even if there was. That's what the NFL's saying. They felt that both from a competitive standpoint and from a fan perspective, the most fair thing to do is to schedule all week 17 games in either the 1 p.m. or 425 p.m. Eastern time windows. That's 12 p.m. Central here in Arkansas. Um, this ensures that they don't have a matchup on Sunday night football on New Year's Eve that because of earlier results has no playoff implications for one or both of the competing teams. The league had not announced which teams originally would have been playing in the Sunday night game, but the cancellation of this week's Sunday night football is the capper on the especially challenging year for the NFL. Beyond the controversy involving players kneeling or otherwise protesting during the national anthem, which is almost certain to heat up again as the postseason and Super Bowl draw bigger audiences, the league has seen the impact of sexual misconduct allegations, one of which led to Carolina Panthers going up. Uh, what's more, ratings for television games are down 9% from a year ago. So there's that. Uh, so if you're wanting to watch a game on New Year's and not go out and do anything, you have to do it early. That just means you get to bed early if you don't go out. Which I guess I'm going to Hot Springs to check out Jan Morgan's announcement. And I'll be tweeting that from Hot Springs. And I think there's still tickets available for that, but you can find out more about that uh, in the next segment because we're going to replay that interview from yesterday. And that's all I have for this week. Expect me back tomorrow. We'll be talking with the friends of the NRA for Arkansas, Erica Dunn. And I'll have Casey Bell with me on my show at 2 p.m., so tune in. And I want to thank everybody for having me and listening and being so kind to me. Not calling me and cussing me out (laughs) for something I said. (laughs) I appreciate that. And uh, next week, Dave will be back in the slot. Same time, same place, Monday, unless it snows. You might have to put up with me again if it snows Sunday. But I doubt that. I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, welcome Dave back on Monday. Tuesday? Oh, that's right, because Monday is a New Year's. That's right, Tuesday. I'm sorry. Dave will be back Tuesday. So, welcome him back Tuesday. And again, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with everyone in uh, Central Arkansas. Have a great day, folks. Have a happy New Year. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Lots of channels, nothing to watch. 
especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.